Welcome to the One White Woman Podcast. My name is Nini White, and I am one white woman with many questions. I am intent on becoming an effective anti-racist. And for that to happen, I am beginning to understand that in addition to holding signs at protest marches, I really need to go deeper. I am starting to understand that no one but me can root out my unconscious biases, the biases that I really wasn't paying attention to, didn't even know that I had. And I'm starting to understand, well, yeah, really understand that no one but me can repair my spotty attention to historical facts. No one but me can mobilize my white privilege towards effective advocacy. I learn best when knowledge is personal, when it feels relevant, when it feels like it's close to me, to my experience, to how I relate to other people. And fortunately, I'm not shy, yet I am honest and I am respectful and empathetic. The purpose of this podcast is to learn directly from the people most affected by racism in America. And I have a strong sense that other white women who are curious but don't know where to start will appreciate listening in so we can learn and grow together. So we can more consciously and more effectively to contribute to America's necessary transformation from a systemically racist nation, which it is horrible to look at that, but we've got to look at it so we can eradicate that every place that it exists, this racism, to a legitimate democracy with a true freedom and actual justice for all citizens, no matter what their skin color. Patrice Register is my favorite kind of person, one whose life is all about moving forward on every front, no matter the external obstacles, while being a force for positive growth along the way. Growing up black in Georgia is one part of Patrice's story. Another part is her big-hearted family. And uh, are you ready for this? Patrice was a police officer in Georgia, a black woman police officer in Macon, Georgia, a town with a strong reputation for pretty intense racism. This woman is so solid and not to be put in a box of simple and predictable labels. After serving as a police officer, Patrice went on to earn an executive MBA from Colorado State Tech University. And she uses that education in a wide variety of ways as a business coach, as a member of community organizations, as a mentor to startup companies, as an advocate for women and girls, and as a life skills teacher for at-risk students, plus a whole lot more, which you'll learn about in our conversation. I am not the only one who appreciates and respects Patrice. She was nominated for the 2012 Small Business Influencer Award, and she was recognized as 2014's 50 Most Influential Women in Arizona Business. In 2016, she was a nominee for Arizona State University's Spirit of Enterprise Award. And also in 2016, she was a nominee for the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for Ethics. Bottom line, 
Patrice is a wise, generous, and full of positive energy kind of a person. I loved this conversation, and I feel permanently enriched by connecting with this beautiful human being. Patrice Register, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. I am so grateful to Anu for introducing us, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, you and I spoke about a week ago, and you started to tell me some of the amazing facts of your life, and it was just so clear that you and I should share this conversation with all of the people who want to learn as much as I do about all of the things, the events, the facts of life for Black people in America that are just really not obvious to any of us, and we don't want that to continue. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to start with one question about one of the first things that just astounded me when we were talking is that as a black woman, you chose as a career to be a police officer, and then you did that in one of the most racist cities in America, Macon, Georgia. How did that happen? <laughs> well, um, it happened because um, one of my mom's friend who was uh, part of the city's uh, recruitment program, um, and they were they were really struggling to get um, people to join the police force. And um, so they start kind of targeting um, high schoolers uh, once, you know, the ones that were close to graduation to become part of this new cadet program and um she approached me and you know i had always in my mind said that i wanted to be this international businesswoman and you know and i kind of groomed myself by getting involved in different clubs in school mm. that would kind of prepare me for that but then when it came close to graduation, I was like, uh, what do I do next? You know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, as a young person, uh, it, you know, your options are open wide. I, I did, um, um, funny, but not so funny story, but I was, I applied for several colleges and I was accepted at, uh, Southern university in, um, Louisiana and, got a full ride scholarship and academically and I was sharing with my mom and because my mom she I'm very close to my family so our family is very close-knit and um my mom only had a seventh grade uh, education and so she was when I was sharing with her and telling her that I'm gonna do this thing and and she said well, why do you have to go that far uh -huh. Um, if, you know, I don't know anybody there, if you get down there, I don't know if I could help you, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to thinking about all of that. So yeah. I didn't go to school. I didn't take the, the, the scholarship. Okay. So, uh, that led me to, uh, this cadet program. And so when her friend had, uh, introduced me to that and I thought, okay, that might be interesting. <laughs> to do you know yeah, yeah. Um, my family was totally shocked you know they were like you're too dainty you can't do it and so I'm the type of person you don't tell me what I can't do <laughs> just tell me 
how, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so that fueled me even more to just kind of jump into this program and check it out, yes. you know, and I did. So that's, that was it. Uh, I started the, the academy and, uh, you know, it was hard, it was tough, but, you know, I made it through, graduated top of the class and, um, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> But, okay, but the combination of being a woman and being black in a racist, super racist town, how does that work as a police person? I just, I can't, I don't get it. I don't know how it works. Well, you know, it was limiting because, one, it, it wasn't a lot of females. Right. Uh, you know, that, that was the one barrier. And then I guess the second one was, um being black um we there were several black um <laughs> no, that sounds funny several it wasn't a lot of black people on the force but there were and that have been there for you know quite some time and so i kind of looked at kind of gravitated towards you know as you know we all gravitate to the people who are like us right and yeah. so um, that's kind of what I did and um, which made it a lot easier um, to go through that whole process. Um, it was challenging when you would meet um, people in the streets that were not your color, mm -hmm. uh, that were white, mm -hmm. and they didn't always want to listen to what you had to say because they felt that you were beneath them. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, I just remembered the oath that I took, which was to protect and serve. So, um, and that's what I did. I've always treated people, um, you know, like people. I, it didn't matter to me what race they were. That was not important to me. Uh, it, what matters is that they treated me with respect. Mm -hmm. And so um, my grandmother always taught us that way. I mean, you know, we did not, um, we were not probably your traditional family. <laughs> mm -hmm. We had a kind of a, you know, a, a different attitudes towards people. We, we love people first because we were very godly people. I mean, you know, just loving people as they were. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there are family t times that people, you know, as my mom would say, you knew your place. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I didn't know what that meant. I was like, my place? What is my place? Mm -hmm. What does that mean, mom? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But what she was saying is in the environment you're in, you figure out where you fit in and, you know, and while you're fitting in, you have to understand what's the rules of engagement, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's dealing with people of different races and how they treat you. And um, you just kind of figure that out and you went with it. So, so it was very challenging. I mean, you know, um, but I always like a challenge. So I, that, I didn't give up on that because you know, people treated me badly or, or didn't um, respect the fact that I was a police officer and a woman. And, and, and even my peers, um, you know, they would look at me, you know, as soft or whatever, but, you know, hey, I said what I me meant, and I did what I said. So, um, and I gained that respect that way. So, yeah.
And I was one of those women. I was very dainty. I have to share this with you, Nene. Yeah. I, I, I love wearing, you know, my makeup and putting on my lipstick and I always <laughs> would wear red lipstick. And so my sergeant used to call me Ruby Lips. <laughs> I guess you had that coming to you. <laughs> I guess I did, right? <laughs> wow. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm taking too long to react and, ex and just be uh, able to hold the fact that you put all of that together successfully. I just, I feel bowled over by the, the combination of challenges there. The, mm -hmm. the racist city, you being black, you being petite, you being a woman, and having ruby red lips. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, right? Oh my God. But, you so, know, I, I just decided I wasn't going to let that change who I was, you know? Yeah. It's a job. It, I'm supposed to make the job, not the job make me. So that's how I kind of approached it, if that makes I, sense. I hear you. No, I hear you. I really hear you. Um, can you give us an example of what it was like, you know, some, some dumb white guy, maybe intoxicated or something and, and petite ruby red lips comes up to him and says, okay, this is how it's going to be. What, what, ha and he goes, he's just disrespectful. What happens from there? Well, I mean, again, I remind him that, you know, uh, I was called to, to a particular situation and I'm the authority and basically you have to do what I say or you go into jail. That was my fallback. And and back then um we we would um you know go to calls singly and then we went to two man cars, uh meaning that you would have a partner riding sure. with you. Sure. But most of the time <clears throat> um we always had a backup, you know, person that would come along. Um, so, and usually, you know, that they would, when the women would go out, they would always send a male okay. um, along. So, you know, you felt like you were, uh, if the situation had to, <clears throat> uh, if a situation came about that you were not able to handle on your own, um, they always say, just go back to your car, call for backup, yeah. whatever you need, you know, don't try to pursue it on your own. And yeah. I just always kept that in mind. I mean, you know, most of the time, <clears throat> if someone was belligerent, um, I did not argue back and forth with them. That's the worst thing you can do because yeah. it only makes the situation worse. Yep. Um, I just, you know, always showed respect to that person. And, um, and like I said, if it was just, if I were not getting to them, then, you know, I just go and call backup. Right. So. <clears throat> woe on them at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't be, it wouldn't be good for them. <laughs> so. Yeah. So most of the times they would just, just surrender because, or, or uh, acquiesce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say most of, I've, you know, during my tenure, um, I really wasn't challenged that much. I mean, as far as, you know, really having to um, be very mean or negative. Most of the times, you know, the calls that I went on, um, I went on because I worked a, a shift that was kind of quiet, actually. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, most of the time it was more domestic stuff, you know, um, domestic calls. Right. Right. Which, you know, you have to be super careful with as well. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. I mean, I, I just tremble at the thought of your job. And then with all the other challenges, I, I, Ooh, well, it's definitely it. something, you know, to consider. I'm sure it's a lot better now because there's more women getting into that career field. Uh -huh. But um, when I started, there were not, you know, a lot of women, especially here in, in Macon, like I said, yeah, on the yeah. force. So, mm -hmm. and then, um, I, actually, I have two questions here now. But I mean, so Macon, I hear, is a very racist place, which means that there's a mentality throughout the city that whites are superior to blacks, which uh, is just something that they all grew up with for hundreds of years. And so. Yeah. How is that to, to move in that? And then what, what I am so, I really want to understand this as much as possible. There is a, there's not a hate in you. There is no resentment. There's no, it, uh, you're not communicating that. You're communicating a much bigger perspective and more graciousness. And I don't know, how do you do that? How do you hold that? How do you move it's a choice. life like that? Yeah, it, it's a choice. I mean, you know, I could choose to be hateful and, you know, hold all that resentment because there were some things that had happened to me and my family. Um, but again, I chose to live, to love people. I mean, look at what they did to Jesus. I'm not, not saying that I'm Jesus, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he just still didn't hate he still asked for people's forgiveness right um he asked god to forgive the people even though they beat him they ridiculed him they did all these horrible things and so because like i mentioned before you know i'm a godly person and you know, i'm created in this image so sometimes you have to really fall back onto that and not fall into the hatred because it's very easy when someone's doing you wrong or saying something bad against you to feel some type of way about that and not saying that I've never have because I have I don't want to paint that picture yeah. but I also chose to not allow that to affect me because one thing I do know for sure Nini is that is when you let someone else's attitude affect you it messes up your whole day <laughs> exactly. and they're going on about their business you know they've done the deed and they're moving on and you're still holding on to that and sometimes it just keeps you stuck and i don't want to live life like that hello I don't be hello stuck. to that absolutely <laughs> yeah. you know but so. that takes such a degree of wisdom that i wish i feel that in our country if that yes. simple understanding was there, you know, it's a mm -hmm. selfish thing in a way to not let that hate and that resentment, you know, be the, the molding factor of your life. Right. Yeah. And, and, and when you talk about, I'm not particularly religious, although I feel like I'm, I'm very interested in deeper principles in life. Mm -hmm. So that's my form of religion, but yeah, but, but however people describe themselves as religious some don't uh, what i'm seeing in you is so inspiring and what we see in others who call themselves christians ah okay well it's you know and that's funny that you would say that because 
in Christianity, there's so many levels of Christianity. And um, when you talk about religion, I don't get bogged down with religion. I, I really consider myself more of a spiritual being, uh, someone who is, is, I hate the, well, I don't hate, cancel that word. Uh -huh. I'm trying to get rid of that word, cancel. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't feel that sometimes, you know, when you, um, are looking at yourself and you're looking at religion so many times people get caught up in in that religious state when they forget to just be a true human being mm -hmm. you know just just be a human being mm -hmm. so what is a human being a person that was created to love i think if we meet everything with love then we would see things in different lenses you know, um, and as far as myself, I mean, like I said, I, I've had many opportunities to to react poorly to someone who said something negative to me or um, did something wrong, wronged me in some way. But it was a choice that I made to not allow that to dictate how I will move forward so with that person. And I, it's, it. I know it sounds more angelic, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I'm not an angel, but, <laughs> no, but I just I just try to, to live. It is, and it's so freeing because you know I'm not bogged down with all of that. I'm a, kind of a happy, look, go lucky gal, you know. <laughs> uh, hey, and you get a lot done too. It seems like to me. Okay. I do, I do. I'm. You know, sometimes I amaze myself. Uh, <laughs> all right. So one of the <laughs> um, one of the challenges that you had was that in mm -hmm. police academy you met and married a white man. That I know have, that couldn't have made life easier. No, it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we both were. Mm, we didn't realize how racist things were until we got together. Um, Cause like I said, my, I didn't surround myself around that. And, but, um, and you know, he had an, uh, a mother that was, I would say she was a racist. Yeah. But you know, um, it was a challenge for us to be together and we, you know, fought family and friends, lost family and friends, uh, uh, you know, because of our relationship. And then, you know, we went on to have children as well. So that was, uh, you know, very challenging. Yeah. You, you yeah. are not take the easy way out kind of a person. No, I'm not, huh? No, you're not. <laughs> so, so, so. Um, would it be too uncomfortable to share some specifics of the the challenges that people and situations threw at you once you were with a, a white man in Macon, uh, yeah. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was one incident where we had went to a concert together, and so we were sitting there uh, at the. No, it wasn't a concert. I apologize. It was a, um, a, a what do you call it? Those uh, kickboxing fights um, that they put on. Uh, it's like um, karate or something. 
No. No, it wasn't wasn't karate, but it's it, um oh geez, what do they call it now? It's been so long since I've been to one. Well, my husband then was he was a master in karate and taekwondo and all of that stuff. So cool. um he would do a lot of the tough man competition. That's what it was. It's a tough man competition. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So he was interested in it and he you know, so we go and check it out and everything. And so we went to one of those. So we were sitting in, in our aisle, we had sat in our seats. And so these two white dudes came and they were on our row. <clears throat> and so as they come through, I was sitting there. I, I didn't see them when they were walking in, you know, how you just kind of focus on yeah. what's in front of you, whatever. And instead of them just saying, excuse me, you know, uh, they said, watch it there, Sambo. And I was like, I looked at him and Mike looked at him and and uh, my husband looked at him and he said, what did he just say to you? I said, yeah, he did say that. And so before I knew it, he had grabbed this man and they, it was on. They were fighting and I was like, oh God, here we go. So he, you know, and so we all got through out of the tough man. <laughs> Everybody got put out, right? Oh. I was like, oh, geez. So, yeah, that was kind of the crazy thing. And then uh, uh, there was another incident where um, we had went to the Kroger, and it was this older white gentleman, and he said something, because Mike and I were uh, together, and he said something to us. Um, very negative. I won't repeat, but there again, we're in another fight again. <laughs> so it's like, gosh, and then I would start to think, is this what our life is going to be like, you know, mm. in this town? Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it's, it was just crazy. Then we went to a, a, a restaurant and we were sitting there, you know, like couples holding hand and we're, you know, uh, intimate with each other, not, not out of character, like yeah. bad, just like he gave me a little yeah. smack on the cheek or whatever, you yeah. know, and we're talking and this waitress comes up, well, you are not, you can't do that in here. And we're like, what, what are you talking about? Um, you need to leave. You can't. It's like, lady, we just bought our food. We're not leaving. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, we we don't allow that in here. And I'm like, allow what? So we were trying to get her to say exactly what she was, yeah. you know, insinuating. And uh, um, so finally she, she said it, you know, she said, you know, we don't allow interracial people in here and all this kind of thing. Um, you know, um, and I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> so we did, we got up and let, I said, let's just go. Cause I wouldn't even want to eat in this joint, right. you know? Right. And, um, but yeah, so those are kind of some of the things that we went to. And, and then there was this place in North Georgia. Now North Georgia was probably even worse. Um, but what cause city? that's where we live. What city? Uh, Dallas. Dallas, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, um, we lived there. We went to this restaurant and it's always packed because they, 
serve catfish and my husband loved catfish <laughs> <laughs> so we would go there and at this time I had my well I had my one son and we would go in that restaurant and I felt like we were on stage the entire time we were being stared at the entire meal I was like oh gosh so if you can live through those in uncomfortable times you know uh, it was just hey we kind of accepted this is the way it was and you know we don't care that's their problem not ours you know and we were going to address it one by one and that's what we did what yeah. what's coming to me mm. uh, on top of the fact that i i just i'm so moved by your your inner fortitude and strength and and clarity of of who you are and your values What's coming to me is that you were kind of not expecting, not, you know, you just go someplace and just think you could, you and Mike could be together. And mm -hmm. so you were kind of a little bit surprised by how people behaved towards you. And so that makes me think that I have been told by other black people to not feel guilty about my obliviousness to the racist element in this country. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when I hear how kind of you were even surprised, then that makes me see, oh yeah, it is kind of this this thing that's that's under the under the sheets. It's under under the carpet, you know, and it just pops up and then it goes back down, kind of a yeah. thing. In so yeah. So that's so interesting and horrible. Uh, really. It is because you, you, you know, you might go one place and where, you know, no one kind of, you know, people look, but then they don't just, you know, make it so blatant that they don't dislike the situation. But, um, and then you, all of a sudden you'll go someplace and then all of a sudden people are like right in your face with it. And it just kind of throws you off, you know it totally throws you off. So even when we um, <clears throat> moved to Atlanta, you know, we uh, here was a, you know, Atlanta is a very transit city even mm -hmm. back then. Um, a what you know, city? Transit, like different folks coming in and out, you know, okay. different types of people. Okay, thank you. Coming in and out of uh, that area. So we thought it might be a little bit better, but not really. I mean, you know, that that was uh, still we met with some opposition of our relationship, you know, um, on our jobs and stuff. So it's just, you know, you just kind of dealt with it as it came. So and again, it's a choice how you react to it. And I finally had to tell him, OK, you can't fight it the world you can't be in physical fights with everybody right sometimes you're just gonna have to ignore it their ignorance and keep it moving yeah you know um because otherwise it, it's just i don't know to me it wasn't not saying that it wasn't worth it because sometimes you do have to fight yeah. you know to stand your you know stand your ground right. but you know i always try to teach my my kids pick your battles right you know, pick your battles. Are they significant enough for you to be fighting over? No. Right. 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 <laughs> so my word, you're insignificant. So right. I just keep. <laughs> right. 
And, and yeah, and sometimes, you know, you want to fight for something because you think you can change it, but there's some people and situations that cannot, will not change. Will not, yep. So why would you put your energy and effort and intelligence into it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but so uh, what about this current era with this current president? I have read that you know the racist situations and the blatant racism has been much more on, on top of the sheets on top of the rugs you know i mean is that your experience do you have that experience or not um so the question you're asking me i think is how do i feel about how the current situation is if it's more uh, negative towards you, towards other black people. Yeah, I think now people are not, it had come to a point where people was kind of holding back yeah. what they say or what, you know, to people. But yeah. now because of our current um, president, he has made people be able to really say whatever they feel and, and, they sh don't think they should have to hold back anything or curtail anything and you know hey this is how i feel i get the right to say what i feel and do act the way i want to without any repercussions okay. so because that's what he does yeah. right so people think now I, oh well okay he's opened up the door i can do it too yeah. you know i mean i had read that i was just you know even when I read things, I like to confirm them with real life people, you know, whatever the issue yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, yes, I believe now that it's coming more to the forefront of how people really feel. But, you know, some people, um, some people. yeah, yeah, some people. So, uh, and so your family grew up uh, and it's all from the deep south. Um, mm -hmm. Um, I've been down there. I actually lived in Atlanta for a year or two, and uh, there are many things about it that I love, but I really only experienced it from, from my white world, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just becoming aware of how separate, how separate the, the white world and the, the realities that black people have to live with it just just have be, been so blind to all that until yes. one time I went to South Carolina like mm -hmm. 10 years ago or something and the atmosphere was so oppressive even mm -hmm. if I would just be driving on the roads you just felt some atmosphere of, of non-love no love you know mm -hmm. and just ready to just you know, the darkness to move in on wherever it could at, at pounce on something. I'm being so abstract, but I, I just don't know how you live with that. And I know we've already talked about that, but it's just like how you maintain love. And you don't need to repeat what you said before. It's just, I guess I should stop harping on it. <laughs> it's just the, the, the strength and the beauty that you've express are just so inspiring well me. you know uh nini i know it's kind of hard to say but there are um some people that feel that way um my mom i think that's where my mom and my grandmother you know they always treated people 
like people and no matter what the color was uh you know they just always express love and i think that's where i got it from you know um it's just them expressing so much love to all people yeah because <clears throat> it's the, you know that's all i've been able to be around you know for the most part so it's just my um the strong women in my family expressing that love towards folks it's so interesting that you say the strong women i love that um, Okay, I'm going to ask you about your kids now. What kind of challenges did they have? Uh, they struggled trying to with their identity for a minute. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. trying to relate to, especially my oldest son. Um, you know, uh, I'll tell you a, a really cute thing. Um, so when he was younger, and um, my husband was big into country music. Matter of fact, we lived down the street from Travis Tritt and, uh, you know, and so we would always see him when he has, you know, some of the, the country stars come to his house or whatever. And oh. I got to meet him one time at my job and stuff. Cause he came <clears throat> and, uh, but my son used to wear cowboy hats and boots. That's what he liked in the big buckle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I know there are black cowboys, don't get me wrong, but, yeah, yeah. you know, just as a little kid, he's done it. And he had this southern draw, like, it, <laughs> it was just really cute. Aww. And he loved wearing that. And then one day he just came home from school and didn't want to wear that anymore. So the next thing I knew he was wanting to wear, you know, uh, cut off the jeans with the, you know, baggy jeans, holy, no, you know, and listen to rap music. Oh. Uh, it's like okay so and um but one day he said to me he said mom who am I I was like what do you mean you're you're Michael you're our kid no um my black friends they say they call me Ario and then my white friends they you know said that I'm black and so I don't what <laughs> you know so yeah. he was confused he yeah. was like you know, and um, so it was just, it was challenging for him. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, you have, you have been born into uh, a great situation. You have the privilege of your white family side. And then you also have the privilege of your black history side. So you have to embrace both as who you are. Mm -hmm. figure out a way to mesh those two together mm -hmm. and then just figure out who you want to be you know how old is he when you had that conversation be? with him he was about 12 okay he was about 12 and how did he yeah. react to that he was still confused for a while uh, yeah <laughs> you know, but, but just, it goes in know, it goes in it goes in and you know um i don't know i think uh, and you know all of my kids uh because they all came out different shades, which is crazy, <laughs> uh -huh. different shades. And, you know, and unfortunately in this world we live in, they all are gonna be considered black. But it was strange because on his birth certificate. Oh, why did you say unfortunately? You know, well, I say unfortunately because sometimes the kids today don't know how to deal with all of this. You know, mm -hmm. they get caught up in, 
instead of meeting it with love like I'm trying to do, they want to fight and they want to get, you know, um, hurt. It's, and it can be hurtful with some of the things people say, but, you know. Exactly. Um, you can't get caught up in that. Right. Okay. I interrupted you. Know. you. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no worries. Uh, no worries. Remember where your thought was going before I interrupted you? Uh, no. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I lost too. that thought. I did too. Oh, <laughs> darn it, darn it, darn it. That's okay. Um, it, it'll come back. <laughs> well, I was just asking how old was he when he, when you had that conversation and yes, you yeah. figured it out and he was 12 years old and it went in and yeah oh and then you had other kids and they were all different shades and uh yeah oh yeah um yeah they were all different shades uh and, and unfortunately but they're all considered black and i mm -hmm. again. But you're going, yeah do you remember where you're going from there um oh i was gonna say <laughs> on my oldest son birth certificate they had listed him as white and but on the other kids, you know, <laughs> it was like, okay, you know, um, it was just different. I just thought that was odd, huh. you know, because as he grew older, um, he was very fair when he was born, um, red hair, huh. you know, and, uh, you know, and he's still pretty light, a light skinned guy. But my oldest son really took more after his dad. Mm -hmm. As far as complexion, he's very fair, uh -huh. but he took the 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 character of the hair is different from the other kids. It's like he has more of a tighter texture hair, uh -huh. so it's just you know how the kids all kind of come out different. Yeah, I guess that's where I was going. Oh yeah, uh, my <laughs> kids. I have two sons, and it, I used to say that they have the same father. They really do. They really, really do. You know. Yeah. Because I have a, uh, I have Mexican and Spanish and Irish, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. my first son just has the olive skin and the you know dark hair, mm -hmm. and then my husband was from Swedish stock. So our mm -hmm. second son is you know towhead, you know, just white mm -hmm. blonde hair and blue eyes, and so mm -hmm. they just. It's nothing alike, so that's just how it happens. And it's yeah. all just, but it's so interesting because it's genes. It's genes. It's the genes. That's it's, right. You know, I mean, come on, it's genes. Right. Uh, uh, okay. It has nothing to do with your character. It has nothing to do with your character. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. All right. Mm -hmm. So, well, I'll vote for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, Wow, I love talking to you, Patrice. Um, your mother has, mm -hmm. uh, you're working with her now. Uh, she's got to be up there in years. So you're yeah. working on uh, making sure that her personal history gets recorded. Yes. What, is, what is that like? Can you share any highlights with us? Oh, absolutely. So my mother, who was 92 years young, and she is an amazing woman, um, real Southern belle. I say that because we were talking, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and we were talking about an outfit. And she says, Oh, I never wear pants. And she doesn't. She doesn't wear okay. pants at all. It's always a dress or a nice skirt suit. or, And she always wears the hats, the big hats and the gloves and, you know, and the jewels. And 
you know, um, that's just the southern bell of her, but <laughs> she's a storyteller. So she has so many great stories about um, our family history and um, and how uh, she grew up and um, our parents, our great grand our grandparents and great grandparents and how they lived on the farm and the plantation and just, you know, it was just, I want to capture those stories because I think a lot of times in family histories, you know, we lose that, you know, once a person becomes a certain age, maybe they don't remember or we just didn't take time to listen and no one's captured that information. And then, you know, as stories are being told, they kind of change a little bit or you lose a little bit of the substance. But, you know, my idea with this foundation that I've created is for families to start capturing that data um, so that it's not lost because our history books now, you know, some of that's being extracted. It's not given a true picture, you know, and um, so if I can capture the stories from when she was actually there, not something that she's heard, but that she actually experienced, you know what I mean? Absolutely. and to me, that's so important. So, and while she still has her faculties about her, I mean, she can remember it. I mean, her her memory is amazing. It's, I I'm like, it. Lord, I, I hope that I keep my mind, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. as I grow older as well. So, and what's what is your foundation that you mentioned? It's uh, it's called Stories That Binds Us. Stories that so, bind us. Uh-huh. It's a 501c3, and um, it's, like I said, it's about capturing our personal um, story history and lineage, telling the stories about our lineage, and um, capturing that data for keepsake memories. So important. Mm-hmm. So important. Mm-hmm. So, God, I love talking to you, Patrice. Um, you know, um, as much as I have always been very comfortable around black people, I haven't had the opportunity to be around them because for many reasons that we know are structured by the government and just, mm-hmm. there's just all kinds of reasons why it just didn't work out, you know, mm-hmm. so it just wasn't, anyway, that's a whole other subject. But, you know, if people like me, you know, there are many of us who really want to change the whole dynamic in this country so there's not so much separation. And so there's more of a sense that of the fact of the reality that we are building the, 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 the quality of life in this country by either, you know, division and hate and misunderstanding and non-communication, or we're building a unified country that's uh, good for everyone because mm-hmm. we're all American citizens. Correct. I, I, I want to ask you what, that's my perspective. What would you see as something that we all can be doing together or for each other, whatever you want to say, any direction that feels right to you? Well, I think first we need to, so part of what the foundation is, is trying to do is, is get the communication going because I feel like if I know more about you then I can better relate to you. Mm-hmm. You know, what you your experiences were and and I share what my experience and, and then I, I think we have a better relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. If we can start to communicate, 
you know, the struggles and the, and the, 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 not only just the struggles, but also the triumphs, um, then I think we'll have a better respect for each other, but people don't talk, you know, we just make assumptions a lot of times, you know, and we categorize people. That's the one thing I I used to hate uh, being, and I'm going to say hate because I feel very strongly about this is when people, uh, put you in a category just because of what you look like, right. you know, um, and even though we're, we're not supposed to profile people or, uh, but we do. Yeah, you we know, all do. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I just catch I, myself at it all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't make, because, um, you know, you have to make a judgment call, right. of course, right. when you're dealing with folks, but first listen to them first. You know, let them let them talk to you. Then you make a judgment. But just if I met you for the first time and I'm looking at you up and down before you even open your mouth and I make a judgment call, that's not that's bad. That's not good. You know, because I've met um, like, you know, now the kids are wearing their hair so natural and they want to wear the dreads and they want to wear or they get tattoos on them. And now I don't particularly like tattoos for myself. Yeah. Okay. That's not my thing. But again, I had to step back for a minute and, and not judge somebody because they have tattoos, you know, um, especially the younger generation now, because my son, my youngest went out and he got a bunch of tattoos. Not only did he get them on his body, but he put a couple on his face. And I'm like, are you serious right now? (laughs) So that was hard for me and dad. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I had to come to to a reality of that because that was his way of expressing who he was. And while I still really don't like it, I have to come to to the reality is is that's who he is. That's what he likes. That's, so why should I judge him for the fact that he has these tattoos on him? And they're nothing negative. They don't say anything bad or it's just his name and, you know, something that he felt was important to him. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I go back to your question i think if people start to communicate with each other a little bit better and being open and to listen to that person and learn what their struggles and triumphs are and then we can kind of better understand that person and that and i think that's where race relations can get stronger or better yeah and 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 that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to to Mm -hmm. learn and to listen and to you know, in ways that are comfortable for everyone. And yeah. because I have learned so much in these conversations that, um, yeah, I, 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 think, I bet. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just been, and I'm the winner. I am the winner. And I think any of us who mm-hmm. listen and learn from each other, because, um, my mother, I, I miss her so much, but mm-hmm. at, uh, she just always wanted to be an actress. So, we all had to move to Los Angeles and she Mm -hmm. worked on that and all of her friends were actors and there's so much judgment in that world. Yes. And so I grew up in that. I'm, that was just part of the culture that I grew up in. And so I, 
it's just so interesting to catch that every time of just not categorizing, not labeling, not, you know, and just going, wait a minute, that I did that. What, what more could I see if I don't put that label on it, you know? Yes. And it's just such as I'm the one that wins, you know, because, mm -hmm. wow, now I can actually hear what that person is saying, not throw it into a box and discard it, you know? And, exactly. You know, so, um, I mean, this is, I, I once heard this great <laughs> expression, this great thought one time that it's just, every everything I do for you is really selfish for me my life is going to be happier my life is going to be better you know yeah you know yeah. and just like you when you love instead of hold on to anger you know mm -hmm. you're the winner I'm the winner absolutely yeah. and I like to win <laughs> <laughs> well you are a winner Patrice oh my god I can't the only thing that I can't stand is that we're 3,000 miles away I cannot wait to I know someday. Well, we will, because I'll be back on the West Coast soon. I'm just trying to wait till some of this uh, pandemic stuff yeah. kind of releases a little bit, but I will definitely be back on the West Coast. Um, okay. Yeah. Then, then, then we have to meet. I love you very, Absolutely. very much. Yeah. Good. Well, and you know you. what? You're welcome to come to Georgia again oh. and visit. <laughs> very um, cool. You know, because I'm remodeling this old 110 year old family home and wow. it's beautiful and you know wow. I'm leaving a space that folks if they want to stay over they're more than welcome and um, it's going to be uh, an event space because I don't know if you remember uh, if your family ever did it but like on Sundays we would have this big family dinner oh. where we would invite <clears throat> we would invite people um, to come and um, have dinner and we have mostly family but a lot of friends came too uh -huh. and so we we had a big family and uh, my grandmother uh, when she was living and then my mom and her sisters carried on the tradition but um, we would cook so much food uh -huh. and food was that thing that brought us all together you know yeah. and just eating and telling stories and I just remember that as a child that we had so much fun doing that when everybody came and so this house I've created this kitchen where we can do that again that families can come together and have a big family dinner and uh and tell stories and share that you know what the, what's going on in their lives and stuff you know so that we can catch up with one another because you know we do get busy oh and so God, a lot of times you don't have the time to call and check in with someone, but you know, on Sunday, we all going to meet at grandma's house or somebody's house oh to have God. a family gathering, you know? Oh. And so I, I miss that. And that's what I want to create for family. So if family want, don't have a space that they can do it at their home, they can utilize this space. Um, and there's so much love and history in this house. So um, that's what I'm doing right now is pulling that together. I feel it. I feel it, Patrice. God, it's so beautiful. I mean, no, my family doesn't do that. Yeah, there's Christmas and Thanksgiving and maybe Easter, yeah. you know, but oh my gosh, to do it every Sunday. That is so healthy. It is so healthy. Wow. And I don't know if you ever watched this uh, show, Blue Bloods, the cop show. A little Have tiny you bit. You know how that family always get together on Sundays? Uh, is that what they do? Huh. Yes, but they do. Watch it. Watch it, an episode and you'll see they always get together on a Sunday and have dinner with each other. All right. And that's what we used to do. Oh. Mm -hmm. oh. So, 
and that, that way everybody has to sit down and really listen to each other too yes <laughs> yeah yes yes. So. yes oh god that is so that is wisdom in action i love it i love it all right well i'm waiting for my invitation to make this pandemic go away yes i want to meet you in person thank you thank you for your time patrice you are very welcome. Thank you again for doing what you're doing and, oh. and your willingness to understand, you know, the racial uh, differences and, you know, how we can all, you know, stop and just think, okay, what are we doing here? This is a, a one world. And really, there's only one race. Right. The human race. And that's what we need to make people get. Yeah. <laughs> Stop this separation because it's when we're separated, we're divided like that, we're going to fall. But if we're in unity, we can make it strong and we can stand for something bigger than ourselves. Absolutely. And the politicians know that better than anybody that if mm -hmm. they divide us, then they can conquer us. Absolutely. And they, can, they can have all the power and they can control us. But if we unite, and that shouldn't be that hard, there aren't really. The differences are so superficial and, and the, the similarities and the values and the, what we all care about are just so much more the truth of the, of the matter. That's true. I mean, I'm not even preaching. I'm just saying fact, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's fact. Absolutely, yeah. it's yeah. fact. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, so. can you feel my hug, Patrice? I do. Thank you. Thank you. I love virtual hugs. Oh. That's what we have. <laughs> All right, my dear. Well, thank dear you woman. again. I appreciate thank it. And it was nice to meet and chat with you. Yes, absolutely. We'll be in touch, we, please. Okay. You All take right. care. Thank All right. So Bye-bye. Bye. You'll find a couple of links for learning more about Patrice in this show's notes. And there's info for contacting me as well in the show's notes. Make this show better and more relevant to your own questions, your own concerns, your own experiences by sharing your thoughts with me, your questions and your suggestions. I really want to hear from you. I really want to learn with you. My email address is ninihwhite at onewhitewoman.org. My first name is spelled N-I-N-I -I, and then W-H-I-T-E. All right, I hope to hear from you soon.